and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster and daytime cooking show contestant. I'm sat at home in my little office on a very dreary day. Um, it feels better that we're doing Nightcap Film Club when the weather's shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just, <laughs> yeah. It's nicer. Like, it's weird, like, sat inside watching films on a... It's a 27 degree day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in my little office at home, as is Paul at his house, and he joins me now. How you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. As I said, like, weather's been weird, hasn't it? Like, I, I swear April and May was better than June and now Ju- and now July. It's like, what is going on at the moment? I oh, know, there's no continuity, so is there? Classic yeah. Britain. No, I've still been out on my bike clothes, yeah. Oh, yeah, how are you getting on with it? Good, I've lost it? a stone. Yeah. Mate, so, um, look good for it. Thank you. Yeah, still a bit more to go. But no, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do 70 miles this week. I did 10 last night, 10 the night before. Yeah, I want to do 70 this week. That'll be the most I've done in a week. Yeah, yeah it's nice. good. It's good. It's yeah, good. I feel better. Nice. I would love to get on board. It's just those seats. I cannot hack it. I, I'd have to wear five pairs of padded <laughs> shorts to get me on one of them. I literally, oh, it's carnage. <laughs> okay, so today's Nightcap Film Club is all about For Grace, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, uh, yeah, a show that I'd sort of heard about, never seen before. Mm. Yeah, had you seen it before? You yeah, I watched it when it came out. It came out on, on Netflix, I think. 2016 it came out yeah i remember watching it and i didn't have a huge like you watching it yesterday i didn't have a huge amount of information at the time that's why i didn't tell you much about it really i i literally was going in knowing who i knew of curtis Mm. duffy knew he was very good and that there was a top restaurant that he and i think i thought he had two stars i didn't know that he'd necessarily go on to get the third that's it i had no background i i remember looking at him and still even in this documentary thinking god you look too young to do this (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. he he doesn't look weary enough either do you know what i mean like (laughs) when you see some other show even if they're young and they've achieved really like a lot at a young age yeah he he looked too like he'd just come back off holiday do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think one of his mates mean. referred to him as like the good-looking lad with the olive skin, and just, <laughs> he just didn't look like a haggard. Like I've been through the mill. He just looked too clean cut, didn't he? Still now, because I think he, he must be about forty-five now. He still looks young what? and fresh. Yeah, is that true? Jesus. Yeah. So at the time, when was it? It was that was filmed sort of 2011, 2012. So what? Yeah. He would have been late, mid to late thirties, wouldn't he? But he still looks younger than that, doesn't he? He looks younger than me, and I'm 31. He looks younger than me. I I don't say, I look old for my age. But yeah, he he definitely... I swerved that one. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it in your eyes, mate. Um, Yeah, so I guess at the beginning of this documentary, we sort of like, we get straight into the stress of the kitchen. Um, How much did you know about the first place he was in? What was it called? I I knew nothing um, about the avenue. Nothing. Yeah, avenues, that was it. No, nothing at all. Like I'd, I'd heard of... Grace and then watched the documentary but didn't know a lot but I knew nothing of the avenue at all yeah um like like really you don't over here unless you really really know your stuff you don't you don't hear of restaurants that have less than three Michelin stars as such unless they're famous for other reasons um right. so two stars don't really get on the radar over here yeah that's yeah true. but um I, I and a lot of other chefs could empathise, I think, with him in that his frustrations in yeah, the avenue. We get there. that in the first two minutes, don't we? We see like he's very candid. And to be honest, like the um, the decor looks old. 
Mm. Like it looks a bit sort of like it's seen better days, and then he's talking about how he needs new. They they got six coffee cups, yeah, or something, and just all these little things. And so straight away you're just like, whoa, okay, so things aren't good. What's going to happen here? And yeah, that's sort of my first question to you was: Have you worked in a place where you've, you know, you want to make decisions, but the people above you said, look, mate, times are tough. You're going to have to stick with what you got. Like, well, how it, do you handle well, that? that if if that is ever presented to me, then I'm totally understanding. It's the, the it's the bullshit that comes of we want you to achieve everything. You've got to make money. You've got to get a star. You've got to achieve this, but you can't have the tools to do your job. That's when you get pissed yeah. off. If if they come to you and like, look, times are tough. We can't afford this. Can't afford that. We've just got to get by. Totally understand. I'm not going to act like a spoiled kid. But it was exactly the yeah. same. it was the same sort of at the end of the third. But Mallory was the same the whole way through. We had What's at that? one point we had six red wine glasses. In a restaurant oh. where they're charging a fortune, um, yeah. you know, it used to have a star. Then? What would you literally do if, if, say, like a table of four has red wine? And they all they'd use random, then... they'd but... use random glasses. People paying a fortune, it was disgusting. Oh. And it's same, same with plates. I was spending my own money because I couldn't claim it back on plates like just plain sort of blue plates from IKEA in a country oh. house hotel, charging for three courses back at that time, sixty-five pound a head. Um, you know didn't have a a star or anything and you know Ikea plates that I've paid for out of your own money out of my own money because it was you know I'm not like really precious about fancy plates but when you've got a table of four away on taster menu and you don't have four plates that match you know you've got one square thing from the 90s and then you've got one (laughs) fucking like weird oblongy shaped thing and then you've got this fancy sort of chintzy one so like four plates that don't match how am i supposed to do a four or it's it's just and customers are paying through the nose they should have the right stuff it's a basic requirement really what would what would the people above you say when they saw you bringing in ikea so they just just turn a blind eye to it yeah yeah really i'd even you know i'd be going down like home base and stuff like that just seeing if there's anything interesting i could get to serve canapes on or you know or i'd get quotes of things i'd send the quote like the general manager she'd say yeah you can you know you can spend some money and have some stuff so i'd get some quotes send them to her (coughs) never hear back chase it up never hear back and then it just never happened so you know, it's just, it's, it is, it's like, don't expect me to achieve things. You know, and I come from, you know, coming straight from, from Sat Baines where if something broke, it was replaced the next day. You know, yeah, that's he, such he a different mindset. highly believes in giving you the tools to do your job. For one, because then you've got no boundaries then. If you've got the best yeah. equipment, the best kitchen, the best food at your disposal, you've got no excuse to not produce the best food. Then it's down yeah. to you, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> um and then also it's, you know, you know, nobody can go to and be like, oh, well, yeah, the Vita Prep's broken, so I can't do a nice puree. It's like there's, yeah, there's absolutely no excuse. There if standards strip yeah, uh, drop, yeah. Exactly. And people, again, people are paying through the nose and looking forward to it, saving up for a place like that. So, I, yeah, I, yeah bring it back to Curtis. I can totally empathise his frustration. No, Definitely. It wasn't just, just him that wanted would to you ever, Were you worried that people would lift up the plate and see the little Ikea badge on in the middle? No, we scrubbed it yeah. off a wire wall. Did you? <laughs> Did you? Yeah, it comes out. It's like moth on a T-shirt. I'll give them, <laughs> give them to the pot washer and wire walled them off. Yeah. That is hilarious. I, the, the, love, I can't the, believe you had to do that, mate. That is mental. Yeah, you just got to do what you can and, you know. Yeah, fair enough. 
Yeah, so we see we see that, don't we, of him like, and you realise right, okay, so this story is both him where he's got to, he's got two stars, and now he's going to set up his own place, um, and that's where it gets a bit exciting. We start to see like the architecture and all that sort of stuff, and then we see Grant Ackett's again, yeah. second appearance in the Nightcap Film Club, <laughs> um, and and he's talking about him because obviously he was like a bit of a protege, um, and it was fascinating because he sort of like heaped a lot of praise on him I sort of thing I wrote down was he had a lot to say about how he felt um Curtis looked he was like the way he presented himself the mm. way he was always his yeah he, he you know he worked out in the gym all the time he had a clean cut hair you know and that mm. and, and I suppose what Grant was saying is yeah he presented himself well so there's like a sense of like but then it was also that was not typical of all the other chefs that were coming in yeah that this yeah. guy took a lot of pride in his appearance and that reflected on his work so he's clearly yeah. a little bit of a standout character Curtis isn't he oh without a doubt yeah he clearly stood out to him and like later on now I'm sure you made a note of it as well but when when Grant's talking about you know he's got to overtake me and that's fine yeah, that was brilliant. that's very rare, that. very rare. And he's like, I've if he doesn't, I've succeeded, or sorry, yeah. if he does, I've succeeded, or if he doesn't, I've failed. I thought that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. It's also it was a little bit of a humble brag in a way though, because I was thinking <laughs> he's basically saying, right, I am the number one restaurant in Chicago, maybe the country. If this guy overtakes me, well, he is my protege, so technically it's my, that's me again, isn't it? So I've got one and two. It was like, yeah. I've got number one and yeah. two here. I'll take it's a like, All bases yeah. covered. <laughs> no, but I mean, it wasn't, I'm being cynical, but I think Grant, there was a lot, you know, it's that whole teacher-student process, and that was mm. one of the coolest themes throughout this. We get that with Ruth Schneider, this teacher that, that he is you know, sort of, um, he looks up to him and becomes like a motherly figure. And then you also get that bit with Grant in a way where he talks about like the idea of teacher-pupil relationship. And then also um, Curtis brought that up, didn't he, at one point when he was saying about how Grant was getting fed up of being associated with Thomas Keller all the time. Yeah, and just wanting his own identity. Yeah, and that's why Grant left eventually and that he talked about it a lot. And then that was sort of, that then became the same with Curtis where he didn't want to just be the guy that Grant Ackett's... Yeah, and he's not uh, being up. disrespectful. He, he's obviously very proud, and that's key to who he is. But you do you want you need to be your own and your own identity. You can't, you know, the, the media a lot, especially like catering media. They'll be like, still now, you know, I left Sats ten years ago. They'll be like, formerly yeah. of Sat Benz, and yeah. you know, it's just, what, what do you that. need to say that? Yeah, it, it, well, it's come up naturally a few times on the podcast anyway. And I remember we did that episode with Tom Brown when we talked about Tom Brown with Nathan Outlaw and then you with Sat and that sort of mentor relationship and and how the benefits, the cons, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I suppose, does it ever frustrate you when still people, you know, it's like you're living in the shadow of a, of a undoubtedly great chef that you uh, respect, but it's like it's hard to get out from underneath their shadow? No, I think I, I think I have enough. And, you know, I think I've paid a lot of respect to Sat. You know, as you know, I love him and I love the restaurant. I'm very proud of working there. Um, I wouldn't say frustrates me. It's just more like, you know, 10 years on when I've had two head chef jobs in my own restaurant, and star and stuff and i'm not actively trying to be like him i you know respect him and i know that that restaurant is you know better than we are um but i just i just think why why do you need to add that bit in articles i just find it a bit strange sometimes it feels a little bit incongruent really yeah a bit like okay that's 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 strange (laughs) like or, or, or like i'm trying or i've said it in an interview to try and i don't know get some more 
fucking press yeah, a PR, yeah. which I, I don't. <laughs> it's a real media thing. Like, obviously, that my background is media, radio, podcast, all that sort of stuff. And I see it all the time where, like, the journalists at the station, they'll dig up any old stuff in order to give context and sort of, like, uh, hype to the thing they're talking mm, about. Yeah. I saw it the other day, and sometimes you just don't... You think, like, why... I think it was an article about Katy Perry and she was doing an interview about how she was feeling suicidal when her and Orlando Bloom split up in 2017. And in the yeah. article, like the first line, it goes like, the California girl's singer, Katy Perry. So, and it's like, that, that song's 12 years old. Like she's brought out loads of new material since that. But it's the same in every industry. Footballers will do it. Like mm. if, uh, uh, you know, Alan Shearer, the ex-Blackburn and Newcastle striker, Alan Shearer says, and so it's you, your, your past is hanging on your shoulders constantly because that's what defines you. And that gives context to... Mm readers and listeners and viewers doesn't it and that's, that's yeah. probably why it happens it's like a media trick i guess yeah 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 you're right you're right mm-hmm. but with um with what grant said I, what i did really like about it was i think it showed how secure he is which is very yeah. rare for chefs um yeah, yeah. you know to be like he genuinely seemed i'm okay if he he takes over because he knows they are good and they are linear yeah nobody's yeah. taken that away from him he can't control what curtis does if that was like, Bradley Cooper, he'd be like, fucking hell, trash is just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a really different... For Grant to be that like that, that that did seem unchef-like in a stereotypical way. Yeah, yeah, because I see it a lot in the industry and people I've worked with and how, you know, they get competitive with you and it's so we can't control what each of are doing. Just fucking, just forget about it. You do you, yeah. I'll do me. Yeah, yeah. It's, for some people, it's so easier said than done. Though they're so they're too busy looking around at what everyone else is doing to focus on their mm. own shit. And that's a regardless of walk of life, that is a tough trait to, to shake, but one that will benefit yeah. you if you can. Yeah. One um one massive thing that I thought was so weird about the kitchen, and I don't know whether it's how they've edited it, but it seemed constantly harmonious and really okay, yeah. calm and almost fun, like. I didn't see, you know, like we've seen in uh, in some of the Chef's Table episodes and definitely in Burn and all the stuff mm. we've watched. So even Ratatouille, for God's sake, it's intense. <laughs> and the, ki- the kitchen is cra- All this was like mates hanging out, kicking out some three-star food. Like they made it look like it was a breeze almost. Yeah. Like it was just fun. And, like, and then also to, to top that was him and Michael, and we'll talk more about Michael, his sort of partner in a second. Yeah is this sort of like sense of normally you get chefs like, you know, let's just stereotypically go for like a Gordon Ramsay, like hard, you know, slapping his hands. Come on, big boy. Like just all this sort of shit, you know, making them, you know, this, they're literally having team meetings going, I fucking love you. (laughs) And it's just, they're so, so like, this is not like Mm. any sort of restaurant I've ever seen depicted on a TV show before. Yeah. Well, it's certainly unique as a restaurant. Um, And I'm sure they have their moments, but I mean, from what people said about him on that documentary as well, is that he is a very calm character in the kitchen is calm. There's still going to be a huge amount of pressure there and I bet loads of energy. Like when they actually open Grace... Over, I mean, an hour and a half documentary, there's not a lot of kitchen stuff in it or a lot of food in it, really, is there? No, you're right. Yeah, we yeah. just see a few plates go out, don't we? I think he only talks about one dish from start to finish, doesn't mm. he? When he talks about the, um, what was the, it was the vegetable that he kept the skin on and it was with celery and mustard. Um, oh, the uh, artichoke. That's it, yeah. 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 Mm. But other than that, yeah, there's not really much food. It's just, you just see No, it's not about the opening restaurant and his story. Yeah, which is yeah. It's quite quite interesting. 
what did you make of him and Michael's relationship, his sort of like partner in crime? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was very unique. Um, <laughs> a, a cool relationship. I mean, they're clearly very good friends, yeah. and they're opening a new place together now. Um, I, I can't remember what it's called. I was looking into it last oh, night. Oh, I saw every um, is it or something? Ever, ever, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's a character, isn't he? That guy. Yeah, yeah. and he, he really is. He like totally and genuinely believes in Curtis as well. He's not, oh. you know, he's not just you know kissing his ass. He's not. Just, no. he's, he's with him for the ride and hundred percent believes in him. And they believe in each other. Like sometimes it was a bit car salesman-y, but other times I was getting pumped. You know, he was like giving those speeches to like, we are gonna do this. We. I was like. <laughs> I was like, whoa! I was like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make my breakfast in a second. I'm gonna smash it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I thought it was, it was really unique, but it also sets the tone quite nicely because towards the beginning of the documentary, you've got that um, moment where they're shopping for all the different furniture and stuff, and they're just falling around. And then he's talking. He's like, yeah, and the thing is, and he just smacks him in the bollocks and runs <laughs> off. I was like, and he's like two star chefs like out in public, like, just absolute, just like best mates. Oh, no. and all those like funny cutscenes of them on motorbikes like just hanging out in parking lots and stuff it was just like this is so weird and I know, the, like having a whale of a time there's a bit at the start like right at the start where Curtis drives off on his motorbike really fast it's like, he hasn't even got a helmet on I mate first thing I fucking wrote down the whole thing I was like yeah. no helmet that's irresponsible yeah. I don't know what he's trying to act like a big man <laughs> <laughs> no chance I've always, I don't know about you, but I've always like fantasized about like driving a motorcycle around, but I just don't have the bollocks. It's just a death trap. It just, no, no, I just can't. Everyone I've known with one has had a crash. Yeah. Generally through no fault of their own. So no, no thanks. No chance. I was like, they look so cool. Like when he's like just casually just like, and then there's no helmet and he's just sunglasses on. I was like, you look fucking amazing. But yeah, (laughs) come off that, you're dead, mate. I'd rather be in my Seattle on. <laughs> nice and safe. Safely does it. Listen to a podcast. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I thought their relationship was great. And I think um, not not maybe enough gets spoken about all these top restaurants. Chef's Table is quite a good example where it really focuses on the chef and you really celebrate the chef. But, I mean, they're not getting anywhere without... There's always either whether it's a partner in a relationship. Maybe you see it with Massimo Batora's Chef's Table. You might watch that mm. on another occasion with his wife. Yeah. But there's always a right-hand man or woman or a partner in the background that's actually a big reason as to why they're there. And with Michael, it felt like in terms of like the motivation and the organization and the sort of like... He's almost like team captain, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, Curtis just goes about his, one, his job of being the head chef. That's it. Mm. but I love their focus especially when you know they, they're looking at it and researching it and it really helps you understand what a three star restaurant is about um, um, like when they're just looking for furniture the amount yeah. of detail they go into because like you know like three stars is about the food obviously yeah. but there's no chef or restaurateur that is sort of achieving three stars that is only focused on one thing they're thinking about every single detail so three star it should come hand in hand when you have a three star meal the experience is the same you know the amount of detail just for a chair or the way you're sat or the temperature or or anything that you know that's why a a three star is a real experience because of it's the mentality it's not just food focused and it being the best food it's delivering a whole experience 
Interesting you said that, though, because I remember we um, talked about a statement that the Michelin guy gave a while back saying, regardless of what anyone ever says, the stars are only ever awarded on the food. Mm, yeah. But I suppose what we're saying is, yeah, but who can't be influenced by the surroundings? Uh, of course I can't. And, and the cutlery and the and everything like that. Like, it just has an, an impression on you that even if you don't realise it, it's affecting you or enhancing yeah. your experience. Yeah, like I've, I've always said, if the fat duck served their food in a cold shed with a rude waiter, they wouldn't have three stars, even if yeah, it's the that's same. Yeah, a really good point. It, it just wouldn't. But I think it's, it's more about pride, isn't it? That everything has to be yeah. the best. So, like, yeah. everything. So, a three-star restaurant or three-star food is never going to sit with a bad experience. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It just, just, hand hand, just, yeah. just through pie, pride of the chef, the restaurateur, the owner, you, you can't just be so heavily focused on one part of it and aim for the best there that you forget the rest. Yeah, they come hand in hand. When like, because obviously the big thing about that is money, like, and mm. the constraints of like, because like when they're going shopping and they find they they're going they like sit at those tables like no the legs they you know if you could get your legs tight no just not getting that. And then they eventually go, that chair is fucking amazing. Right, let's get those chairs. How much are those chairs? A grand a chair, you want? Yeah, grand a chair. Oh, we need 90. 90. $90,000 on chair. Like, how a part of you doesn't go, have we got, like, a chair a bit like that that's, like, 40? And we'll see. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, man. Like, that is that pursuit fucking of perfection of comes at a fucking cost. <laughs> like, it does. It Jesus. does. Mm. It does look fun though, going shopping. Ninety thousand dollars. Oh god, yeah. It's all those chairs they had in their uh, in the restaurant as well. <laughs> I, I know you've talked about it a bit before about like you know some of the chairs at Salt. It was just a case of right, what can we that you know what can we just get that I don't mind for now, and then we'll replace them mm. later. But some of the other detail, like the glasses and the plates and stuff, was that like a weekend of just going out shopping and finding loads of stuff? Like how did that all, how did that happen? Um, the glasses we tried we tried a few that fit within our budget, and we went for a, a brand called Chef Sommelier because I just I just really like I like the shape of them and they're just really good quality glasses that we could afford as well. Um, yeah. And then the plates I'd already about a year before I'd already decided what I wanted which all a local potter just making them for us and um, apart from a few Ikea ones I had as well <laughs> did you did you, yeah. you used a few Ikea ones yeah yeah because like, just these blue ones because they fit they fit well with our branding just these plain blue like bowls and plates Michelin have had them oh. a few times as well I've seen them really? tweet pictures of the food on Ikea plates and we got a star that is hilarious <laughs> I love it I love that that's so yeah. funny and that, that was just more of a you know, they're simple, they, they're cost-effective, and they work for us at the start. It wasn't like, oh, they're dirt cheap. It was just, okay, that I wouldn't do it just because it's cheap. They still had to kind of work as well whilst we were evolving. But but no, we had a couple of customers like, I've got these at home. <laughs> really? That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, I think we just use them for staff plates now. Um, I don't, <laughs> yeah. think, don't think we use them at the restaurant. But yeah, um, yeah so yeah, it was a process of what can we afford and what do we want and getting the best within our within our boundaries really yeah without having to compromise too much well, yeah what about like the decor and stuff uh the decor was um and as you know it's 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 quite it's quite plain a room like that you just can't really decorate it's got so much character with all the beams and the fireplace and stuff so we just touched it all up as to what it was um I changed some tiles and things like that. The the beams the beams are painted that kind of 
bluey gray color um which i wouldn't have chose but it was way too much of a big job to sort of repaint all of them because they'd need to be all sandblasted down which makes a mess and then and then done so we just um we touched up the table legs to match them it was kind of like getting by all of the furniture we inherited um apart from a few of the smaller chairs i bought in the front which would basically just like what can we afford? What was left? There wasn't much left at the end. Yeah, yeah. Sure. What yeah. about like stuff like because you talk about the three star experience and you talked about some of the places on the podcast you went with like the toilets with all these fancy mechanisms and stuff like that. What about even that like detail? Like, do you, do you have to go and write what hand? Are we going to do hand towels? Are we going to do paper towels in the toilets? Are we going to have what kind of soap and where are we going to get that from? Like, that's all part of it, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and. At the start, it's just like, okay, let's, let's, you know, we had three weeks to open. So it's like, let's get open and just think about these little things as we go. Um, we started with some hand towels that we were washing and drying. And they're just, unless you're replacing them all the time, it becomes really expensive because yeah, they just go expensive. hard and they're not soft and nice anymore. So we just use the, the disposable ones, which are really nice. The same ones that are on the table in there now. And then we just use a soap from, from the white company because it smells amazing and everybody yeah. loves it. That's why people yeah. steal it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can see... I, you can just see certain characters going in, going, that's white company, that's really not, I'm just going, there's no cameras mm. in here, you can't put a camera in a toilet, I'm, yeah. well, I'm taking this home, fuck it <laughs> But That must like, even happen at the three-star places. Oh, it does. But you can, you can spend as long as you want thinking about it and contemplating it, and it comes to a point you've just got to get going and then tweak yeah. as you go. Yeah, yeah otherwise you're just never going to make your mind up. Uh-huh. Awesome. Uh, going back to the dock, uh, we touched upon it a bit earlier, but the whole sort of like mentor parent sort of theme that was running throughout the whole thing. And Ruth, she was Ruth Schneider. She was like a central key to this, wasn't she? Cause she was like the teacher. And I suppose like there's always a teacher for a lot yeah. of people, isn't there? There's always, whether it's at school or catering college in the chef industry's case, there's always someone that sort of like set the tone and inspired you. And that, I mean, clearly resonated so much with him and they had a really special relationship, which was cool to see. Yeah, and still now. And it was amazing to see her there at the opening night of the restaurant. Mm. And, you know, just what she said as well, she's like, I'm not really just proud of him as the chef or this this restaurant. It's like him as a man, and especially like what he's been through to become the man he is. It's, um, yeah, yeah she, she was genuinely proud. And she said she saw him as a son. Which was really yeah. nice to see, yeah, quite a unique relationship. Oh, I got a bit choked when, you know, when they were doing the um, the the really, like, uh, bizarre bit, actually, at the end when Michael is stood in front of the whole team going, right, table of two, it's Gordon and Sarah, Gordon's a mechanic, she works as that, and you're like, what the heck, what? Are they supposed to remember all this? And how, and then, so, and then at the end he goes, and Ruth Schneider, this is uh, Curtis's mentor, and then he goes... Um, no check and champagne them all night. You're like, yeah. oh, Kurt, all nine mate. yards. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. But yeah, that was that was a mental part of it. That whole sort of like telling that researching all of the guests. Like, what? Mm. What? That is mad. Yeah, most booking systems do it now. You you can just add notes to them. I mean, they go extra levels, and they were researching that table of one on internet and couldn't find the person could they yeah and then there was one person that they found they were in the armed services so he was like champagne on me look after them um which is again really nice as well but our booking so, system has that will... happened at places yeah does that, does that happen at your place does that happen at other places you've worked at 
Yeah, there's, you know, regulars will add specific notes too. Um, you know, likes this type of water if they specifically only drink sparkling. So it's just oh, really? straight down, straight away. You know, we can't do it for every guest because we're such a small team. But you know, uh -huh. regulars we get to know, um, we we build it up. There's a there's a guest comment where we can write anything we like about the guests, uh, which stays with their name every time they book. Even if they book online, oh, it comes up. That's interesting. Yeah, such and such. They like this table, um, or we add because some people love the front room. Some people hate it. If we know yeah. that, we'll make sure that's on their notes, so they'll always wow. be sat in the room they like. That's cool. Yeah, like where possible. And then there's booking notes as well, which customers, they're the ones customers add. And it's just for that booking, like birthdays and things like that. But yeah, it's a big job when you go into massive detail yeah. with it. If we can do, just do the little things, remember, you know, remember these you know, regulars or someone if they came a year before, if it's something they really enjoyed. And it's nice if the, the restaurant manager could just remember, oh, you loved the carrot last time or you loved the sweetbread. And they're just, oh, yeah. wow. Oh, yeah, it's just yeah. that extra special personal bit of service. Yeah, no, that is, it was mind-blowing to see, and he was reading off all this detail. But then a part of me was like, how are they going to get this into the conversation? Because, like, he was saying things like, you know, she, you know, I can't remember exactly, but, like, oh, she's really into floristry or something. Like, how, so the waiter's there going, so you like flowers, do you? Like, how, how do you, what, I don't know how you, how do you use it? How, just in case it comes up, I guess? Or, like, I don't know how you use it to your advantage. Yeah. I think it depends on the the information and the individual, I suppose, doesn't it, really? Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it you can just, yeah, it's a bit faff, a bit faffy. And, you, you yeah, you can't just be like, so do you like our flowers in the middle of the table? I've heard you like flowers. What do you reckon to this <laughs> we've been, arrangement? We've been researching you online and we see <laughs> yeah. you like flowers. <laughs> no floral so dress weird. tonight. <laughs> yeah, so weird. I, I did like it, but I was really like, what is, how do you, I don't know what you do with that. Um, yeah, and I suppose again, that's part of the three mission star experience. Like, um, yeah, it's one thing to remember if it's a birthday or if they came last year, but then like about their lives and about their personalities, and mm. that just takes the experience almost to like a magical level of how do they remember all this? How do they know all this? It's also it's a bit of an yeah. illusion in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like even if just a, a particular drink that somebody liked, it makes you feel really special as a guest and. Oh, wow, yeah, they remembered. You don't even think, oh, they must have wrote that down. You don't even care. You're like, oh, they remembered. Nah. I love that champagne cocktail. Yeah, like a magic yeah. trick. You don't, I don't want to know how they did it. It just tastes yeah. great or it just looks, it's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Um, I suppose we should definitely talk about the sort of, I guess the biggest almost twist of this whole documentary, which is his parents thing, which mm. I did not see coming. Like in you the, don't it's, in all, the yeah. I, it's in the trailer, so there's clearly a tragedy that was mm. a part of his story. I did not realise that it was going to literally be a murder suicide of both of his parents i mean jesus that is like it was so tough to watch oh it was and then awful. he's reading awful. back the letter from his dad and i'm like i, I don't know i don't know how he got so far through it without choking up at yeah. the start it was yeah yeah and um yeah it's it's amazing to see how how he has gone on and achieved what he has um you know not using that as a reason for he hasn't used it for a reason for success or failure he seems to have got yeah. on he hasn't pinned it as this made me successful or this made me fail it's yeah i, I don't know how you would deal with something as, as horrible yeah, and really, traumatic as that that's a really good point i hadn't thought of that like it almost felt that his trajectory was going to happen regardless of that event yeah 
I think so. Like, he yeah. didn't really sort of like give a, you know, so that happened, so I did this, or that made me do... It was just a, almost, not matter of fact, but then it was also, you know, all of his his sister and they're all just saying, yeah, he was just very quiet. You know, he didn't seem to get very angry. He just sort of like... Mm. Got with it. And even he didn't attend his mother's funeral because he didn't have enough money to go across the country to go back. I was like... I know. I know, that, that was is, awful. I can't get my head around it. Like, it was just an unbelievable thing to happen to anyone. But, yeah, odd that it didn't really seem to have a great impact on his career or change any of his decision-making. And I guess maybe, you know, the whole, like, for grace, like that sort of philosophy he had about being grateful, being great, maybe that as you know, is part of it, but... Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so, yeah. Because um, you just can't put yourself in that that place of how that would experience would be at all or you know especially when it's something so serious the media attention in a small town where everybody knows you and maybe it helped that he was he went out of town and moved from ohio to chicago um you know his sister's still there isn't she and still Uh in amongst it so you know she may have dealt with things differently uh but yeah who knows really I oh, know it's mental, and then it was interesting to see because, like, in we get a bit of his childhood. He talks like, "Mom, my dad kicked my ass." You know, this stuff. There was friction between him and mum. They separated. Then that happened. The murder suicide. This crazy story, and then we also get a little bit of a glimpse into him. He doesn't obviously want to go into too much detail because it's still very raw. While they're making the documentary, that he's clearly separated or separating from his wife. Yeah, they didn't do a lot with that, did they? Yeah. No, because he just talked about briefly like not being with his kids at one point, but then he didn't obviously go into great detail. But then we get that, we go into the sort of bit of the documentary where we we go back to Grant, we Mm. go back to the other chefs, and they all talk about this idea of sacrifice and how it's so hard to maintain friendships and things. And the bit that struck me, and I wrote it down, I could not believe it, was when Grant says, you are getting married to this restaurant. If you have a dog, get someone to look after it. Mm. and I was just like oh my god that sounds really tough like that and I suppose like you've talked about in the past with uh, a collection of people in a kitchen that it can be a little bit like lost boys so Mm -hmm. maybe people that don't have a dog at home or don't have a relationship you know it's maybe they're just like it's not a means to an end but it's just like coming to a sort of point where they throw throw themselves into Mm. the work because they need a family but for those that are coming in with one that is just, you know, I think there's that one girl who looks quite young. You think she'd be going out on a Friday night and she's like, great, um, yeah, I'll be there at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, and how, so what, are you going to do that for 30 years and not see it like, it is such a sacrifice. Uh, yeah, it's huge. And especially, you know, coming from Grant's perspective, it's, that's, a, that's another level. That is even more sacrifice. I mean, he, he was saying that if he's there, if he leaves at 11 p.m., he feels guilty. <laughs> which nobody would hold him to that at all, would they, no, with the amount exactly. that he's done and is the owner, even if he left at nine. Um, yeah, it is. It's a huge, huge sacrifice. It's tougher. I mean, this job's tough at any level, but the higher you get up, the more sacrifice, the more expectation of you, the more expectation of yourself as well, the more guilt you put on yourself. It is tough. And you, you know, some of us, like myself, you try and have it all, but mm. you just can't. You just yeah. can't. Something has to give. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, 
it is it's 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 tough and all the all the chefs said it as well all the chefs said how you can't do it and even grant was saying about you know even if you need your bins put out you need to pay someone to do it i know i was thinking oh, mate like is it worth it and i suppose what what people must tell themselves is well yeah but i'm doing it for the family anyway you know i'm, I'm providing mm. you know I'm, yeah i suppose that's a way of justifying it and also that it won't be like that forever you know mm. there's a sense of like you know i can for some of those chefs that are young in that three-star kitchen, it's invaluable experience. And yeah, they're doing 16-hour days, but that might mean that in 10 years they can own their own restaurant and then start to put their feet up more and and spend time with the family. Like, it has to come full circle. I know you've talked about, like, the whole idea of Sundays is, begrudges you because you've done it for so long and now you've got kids, you want to spend more time with them. And mm. that supposes the dream for those young chefs that eventually I won't have to do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I've always said to you as well that, you know, I know I made huge sacrifices in my in my twenties and early thirties and things, and I did I did want to stop doing that as I moved into it. Even though I've you know got my own restaurant, um, I wanted to sort of step away a bit more. I wanted to build it in a place where I could, um, which is kind of the way we've been going with it. Because I'm, I'm sure I've said to you before, and I've said to to loads of people, I don't want to be so too reliant on there i don't want it to be that if i'm not there it's not open you know i think that you know i'm not like one of those heroes who's like i have to be there every single service forever otherwise you know it's it's not going to work i um i don't want to be on that stove though do you feel guilty if you're not there and you know that i have done i have done but yeah in the past but not not so much now if i've taken a, a weekend off or whatever um I don't know. No, I used to because it was, I didn't think we were in the place too. So I was like, I, I shouldn't be doing this. But I've kind of moved away from that should now. And it's like, well, you know, I much more appreciate the, the family time and especially yeah. the work I've put in to build it up. So I am able to do that now and again. But, you know, I don't want to be, you know, three years time, I'll be 40. I, I've said for ages, I don't want to be working every weekend or any weekends when I'm 40, really. That's just not for me. I don't want to be on that stove every Friday, Saturday night, um, slogging it out for years and years. I think it's a mark of success if you can move away from it and can run as well as it was before with you there or not. Um, But no, that's just me. I understand why some chefs are so committed and can't move away from the restaurant because I've been in that place. But no, I've never wanted to be... Never wanted to be like that. I've never wanted to, you know, be there till I'm sixty still cooking. Here's here's a tough question then. So, do you think it's possible? It might not not be as black and white as this, but do you think it's possible to do that? What you talked about, um, and sort of that gradual moving away whilst maintaining a really great thing that you're proud of. Is it possible to do that and get up to a two and then three Michelin star level? Um, I think not. I think not really um because somebody has to be doing it if say if that was me say if we were wanting to push to two or three stars and which i don't um then and i was moving away then it would need somebody to take it by the rein so somebody would be having to make that sacrifice there would need to be a head chef in there that's running it for me how i want um Yeah. yeah i've never really i've never known that happen to be honest, it would be a very rare case if it does. And like, like I said to you before, I just, you know, I've I've always wanted a star, but I've never wanted two. I know what it would take, and I'm not prepared to give that. To be honest. Fair enough, mate. I don't play mm. like that. I suppose it's like any profession. 
we don't see the hours that everyone puts in, do we? Like footballers are a great example. Like everyone just thinks that when Ronaldo gets on the pitch, he strikes free kicks in the top left because he's really talented. It's actually yeah. because he was at the training ground three hours before everyone else. Mm. Still, and people are like, "Oh, he gets paid that much because he only works and he only works ninety minutes a week." Like, yeah. Yeah. don't see the rest. Yeah, yeah. There's that famous poster, which a bit cheesy, but I really like it. Of the ballet. Have you seen the mm. ballet? Yeah, the ballet the one with shoes. the feet. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's exactly what you're talking about there. And it's like there's just no substitute for really fucking hard work. A no. bit of talent won't get you very far, will it? It's got to be no. the hours and the sacrifice to get to the top top level. Exactly, exactly. You're right. Yeah, and then, yeah. No, people don't see that. And why? Why should they? Really, people. Yeah. People. People don't. Um, but it's, yeah, it's no. interesting because Curtis gives us a glimpse of all of that from his childhood and then into his life now with his kids and stuff and. It is that just that subtle reminder that how much has to go in in order to get to that level, and it is it's both for me really admirable because I can't believe how dedicated people are, and I feel almost envious that they've got that almost extra drive that I have. But mm. then I also feel sorry for them genuinely at the same time, like they're missing out on stuff. Mm. It's yeah, a really mix it's a massive mix mixture of feelings. Yeah, it is. Um, another little thing that made me laugh a lot, and I can imagine there's been a few a few in your career as well where they're doing that big lunch and he's got this great idea for a bubble uh, that made me that was pissed myself it was a lemon tea bubble that you wanted to put on top of this thing and just was not working so it's literally like yeah whack a coaster over the top we call it a lemon tea breath <laughs> yeah. it was like yeah I was like that is absolutely class like no one will ever know adapt and overcome like, yeah yeah there must have you ever had stuff like that where you've got this vision it's just not working it's just like oh just do that and we'll call it something else like that must happen yeah, it does. It's hard to think of specifics, but yeah, you've just got to adapt at the time. I mean, there, were, there was yeah. like 800 people there. They were trying to do 800 portions with one thing blowing the balloon. And you could see Michael in the background just being like yeah. a very um, typical level-headed maitre d' of just... He doesn't agree, but he's not saying it. He's not standing on yeah. his toes. He's just... It's he written on his face. You make the mistake. He needs yeah. you to find out for yourself that it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. He just shakes his head. That's it. And that's classic maitre d' that he won't be getting involved and telling you what you're doing wrong. He'll let you learn. (laughs) But then it literally looked like they genuinely got, they looked like coasters. Yeah, it did, yeah. And they had grace on them. They looked lovely. And you lifted it up and all the the breath But it was lucky because I was like, that's just a coaster. Like, oh, it's as if they went, oh, what we got? Is that a pack of coasters? Pass me that pack of coasters. We got 800. And it just made me like the first time when he was describing the uh, the the little dish to the guests, and at mm. the end, with so much conviction, Michael's just like finished with a lemon tea breath. I'm like, <laughs> he sold it, and they're like, wow, and they lift the coaster, and in their minds, they're like, wow, and they're like, they had no idea that the bubble was the actual thing. But I love, <laughs> love how like he was like, yeah, lemon tea. We've been designing this lemon tea breath for three minutes and uh <laughs> it's genius like i thought that was so good yeah it's brilliant brilliant but that's yeah. what you know they're not blaggers at all they've adapted in a situation but you know a good maitre d can do that they can sell and make you feel comfortable and you know it's some push it too far and blag but he's very confident and he can sell because he knows it's still a good product and yeah. he's selling them a good product he's not being like oh god we fucked up but look this is what we've got <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you exactly. can't be too honest Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, was there any other random takeaways from it from you? Any other things you thought of? Or yeah, I mean the um, the whole Charlie Trotter thing was funny when he would let him in the yeah. restaurant. Yeah, that was bizarre. Like I was, I was talking to because Haley and I are watching it together, and I was like, 
I know a bit about Charlie Trotter, but like, what the hell's going on here? Like, this just doesn't. And then, really, like, and have they set him up there with the cameras? Does he know that there's a camera ten minutes ten meters away? Like, I don't know. It, it all felt thing. very authentic, and yeah, um, it is. But it's can... very odd. I can see it from both sides of the fence. I mean, like Charlie Trotter, he was a legend of Chicago. He was the first big, big chef of America. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was at college, I'd I'd stop at the Dillon's, which is now Waterstone's bookstore on the way home, and I'd always be looking at his books. I couldn't afford them, but I'd just be reading the Charlie Trotter books. I loved them. Really? And uh, it felt like, you know, worlds away, this place. And he was old school, you know, like, like Grant said in his documentary and like... Um, like Curtis said, he was a monster. Um, you know, and you know, he made those guys graft and everyone was working in the best restaurant in America for good reason. So it feels a bit like, you know, you've made that sacrifice and you've learned, you've agreed upon those hours. Mm-hmm. So to come back later to claim money feels a little bit, well, whilst I understand it, it feels a bit of a shit trick. It's like, well, you, you, you were okay at the time. You got a lot yeah. from it. This is how things were. You... You agreed. You had a verbal contract with those hours. You didn't. You weren't forced. It wasn't slave labour. Um, and then you've took this money. So that's why I do see it from Charlie's point of view that you know yeah. he's given him fifty grand. But you know when Curtis explained it, he was quite naive about it. He was offered that money as part of a settlement. He didn't apply for it. So you yeah. know I can see it from his side as well that someone's given fifty thousand dollars. So okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like get the fuck out of me. I won't let him eat. And then to have that on camera, though, is just such mm. a... That was just... I found that really mental. Like, the equivalent in this country would be seeing footage of, like, Gordon Ramsay mm. outside, not knowing he's on camera, saying to another really big-name chef, like a Marcus Waring or something, like, oh, fuck off, mate. Like, I've given you the... Like, that'd be scandal to get that footage in her. Yeah. It would just be, like, mental, wouldn't it? But he, yeah, he must have known because... Obviously, the camera crew were following around for a couple of years. That yeah. was one of... I think it was like Charlie Trotter's last night or something before it was closing for good. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and obviously, he was going there. They must have had to ask permission to go and film this. Yeah, must have done. So he was um, fully waiting for um, for them to, uh, like, uh, you know, arrive. So Charlie must have... Charlie Trotter must have known. Yeah. Must have known. Yeah, must have. So mm. weird. Whether he knew the yeah. camera was on him or what. But, I mean, that's his genuine reaction, whatever. He's probably pumped for it. I met yeah. him at the door. <laughs> <laughs> met him at the door, that's the thing. Yeah. It was such a bizarre moment, wasn't it? Uh, another thing that stood out to me, which was quite cool, was, um, you know, when he was ringing round people to tell them that they've got the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must be a really cool feeling, especially as, like, Curtis is a big... He had been a big name at that point, anticipation of this new restaurant. He's on the telly... And then you get a call from him. Yeah, saying, not from right, HR. Yeah, yeah, from him. Yeah, from him going, you're in. Like, that must be, like, the best moment. Have you ever been on either side of that call? Not not specifically, no. I mean, offering people jobs sometimes and their buzz from it is a really nice feeling. And Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not in that kind of situation, but, yeah, most... Most times when I've got a job in a good place as well, it's been direct with the, the chef. So, yeah, that, that, yeah, it's a great feeling when it's not just they've passed it on to someone else to give to you or, or yeah, whatever. When yeah. they deliver them news and stuff, it's very personal. Yeah, definitely. Mm. He didn't give it much emotion, though. He was no. like, uh, just letting you know you got the job. Yeah. Great, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, the other guy was buzzing. And yeah. he was like, that's great. He's really enthusiastic. He's <laughs> like, yeah, tell your face as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was quite a cool moment. I did like that. Was there anything else you thought? 
Yeah, well, the one thing that I thought was was missing from it, which I just from a chef's point of view, which I would like to see more of, which we touched on before, we don't see a lot about his food, his style, or his philosophy. Yeah, um, agreed. I know it's the story of opening the restaurant and his story as well, but if you knew nothing about it, you wouldn't you wouldn't know. You, you yeah. see a linear and Charlie Trotter, and you're like, they're very different restaurants, very different food. And then he worked at True as well, which was very different. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I didn't because going in, I didn't know much about him, and coming away, I feel like I know a lot about him and his personal life and his sort mm. of like restaurants, but not enough about the food. Like, yeah. I think just I a bit know. more because it was good. It was unique. It wasn't just another chef documentary that was just about the food. I didn't yeah. like the fact it had different um, different angles to it. But yeah, it was um, yeah just a little bit more just from my chef way, just to see a bit more about his thought process mm. and how, how he is different from Alinea and um, what he did get from that and where he's took it because it's clearly different. You can see aesthetically it is. Definitely. The thing that I picked up on that seemed to be a running theme in a lot of his dishes was this weird, like, um, what's the word for it? Like spiral piped. So that like, uh, whether it's a, like a mousse or a sauce or whatever, mm. or something freestanding, he would pipe it like as a squiggle. Do you know? What, yeah, this presentation like, was a lot like that. Like with the really the odd, toast like really odd shapes, like inaccurate it. lines and, and mm. things, and that looked really distinctive. I thought, like it, that happened a lot in a lot of the dishes. You saw that weird squiggly piped thing. Yeah, yeah. Now I, um, yeah, yeah. You can see that his presentation is very different um, and slightly more classic than uh, Alinea as well. He goes uses a lot of. Um, a lot of plates, which they don't yeah. Uh, linear. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can see he got a lot from Charlie Trotter in terms of the ingredients and wh where they come from. But, yeah, I, I would like to see a bit more. You saw a little bit of the avenue, but, again, still not much. He doesn't talk about what inspires him, what food, he, what he does, what he wants to serve from yeah. a chef Yeah, that's a really view. good point. Like, at no point do I actually feel like this guy loves food. No, no, you don't, yeah. Like, watching it, I'm like, oh, he loves his food so much. He's just, he's very, yeah, like, not not robotic, but just very, mm. um, what's the word? Like, almost reserved, just like, yeah, bit of food. Do it, do yeah, it. it's almost like that comes so easy to him that <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah. not even a thing. Yeah. Which is weird, because when they talk about him as a kid, you know, I know you've spoken a lot about how people sort of fall into it, and then they get a passion for it. Mm. He didn't. He picked it up at a really young age, and then went with it, and then started doing it on the side whilst still at school. Yeah. So he, he was in from a really young age, like, loving it, and that was his drive, and he knew what he wanted to do from a really young age. But I don't feel like that cut jumps off the page if it was a book. Do you know what I mean? I'm not like, oh, this guy, he loves food so much. Like, yeah. I think yeah, he loves... Mo I, I got more that he loves motorcycles without wearing a helmet <laughs> more than food. <laughs> yeah. There, there was no story of like... Um, yeah, he did get into it young and he was working crazy hours. He seemed to love the kitchen and the buzz like it was mm. an escape almost from life maybe. Um, he yeah. wasn't like, oh, I just loved... I went to work at this place and I love the food they were doing. I was inspired by learning this or, or whatever. There was, yeah. it was, you know, he seemed to love the work. Yeah, no, you're so right. Really good point. Mm. Awesome though. I really enjoyed it. And it was really cool to get like uh, a guy and restaurants that I didn't know very much about. Yeah. And obviously the twist with his family is incredible. And it's one of those stories, a bit like with Grant Ackett's on Chef's Table, where it's just sometimes you just can't believe it, it's real. Like... 
with Grant, it was this idea of this three, this two Michelin star chef that lost his taste buds. Like it's just, it sounds like a film. It sounds like you make yeah. it with him. It was like this guy who, his parents was a, were involved in a murder suicide, and then he rebounded. And it, all this that you just can't believe that these real things happen to people, and that that's their journey, and that it's just. If it was crazy. in a movie, you'd be like, oh, that's not believable. Yeah, that's not happening. You would. would you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you like, think, oh, went for oh, that tragedy, you got three stars. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit far fetched, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, burnt was tame compared to what happened to this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really just weird. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it does well on IMDb as well. This one, seven point three. So oh, does it? Oh, that's better, good. Uh, yeah, one of the better ones. And actually, a lot of people had messaged us about watching this one. So they had, yeah. That had no. I, I think it's. I think it's brilliant. Really well made. Really honest. Authentic. Um, awesome. Yeah. No real criticisms. Mm. Yeah. No. It's really good. Although the, uh, it's not a criticism, but it did make me think. Like, um, I've noticed that the older I get, the more I dwell on time going by a bit, which is a really morbid thought. Mm. But when I re- so this came, it came out in 2015, but they clearly started filming in 2011. Yeah. And already the sophistication of the camera equipment and the music and everything, compare that to Chef's Table. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a different world, isn't it? Mm. And in your head, you're like, oh, 2011, that was only the other day. It wasn't, fucking wasn't. It's 10 <laughs> years ago. It's 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and suddenly you realise, all oh, the cameras are different. Everything's, you know, how quickly time moves on. And suddenly that, a documentary like that looks a little bit old. Yeah. That's what bad, I it? was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, this is so <laughs> odd. That was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, I my my turn to choose. Yes, it is actually. Yeah. Um, cool. There's definitely there's loads of documentaries that people have recommended, but um, just so we don't do two in a row, we'll leave because I know a few people have said like forty two grams is mm-hmm. one. We've had a, a, another chef's table episode. People have really gone on about, but I'm gonna go back to films just for the fun of it, and I think we should do Chef, the John Favreau. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. John, right, John cool. Favreau. I, again, it's one of those that I watched years ago, mm, but I've yeah. forgotten all about it. But I remember, and that is that is about the food, isn't it? Like that will make you fucking hungry. That that film. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I I watched it when it came out, so it'd be nice to watch it again. I loved it. Is it on Netflix? I know it was. Oh, good question. I, do you know what? That is one thing that I've been poor at is actually figuring out where the fuck you can watch it before we come on here and go right. Everyone, go and watch this. <laughs> and then you have to be like, you got to rent it or something. Cool. Nice one, mate. Uh, enjoyed that. Um, yeah. What else is going? Oh yeah, what I was going to ask you is, um, do you have the same routine when you watch films? Like, do you always sit down? Do you drink and eat when you're watching them at home, or what do you what do you do? Oh, uh, I don't really have a routine. No, uh, it depends what time I'm watching it. Like, I watched Four Grace yeah. last last night quite late, so um, no, I think I just had a beer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, I don't tend to eat that much. Sometimes chocolate. That's it. I don't really. Yeah, I love. I know it sounds so silly, but I love grazing when I'm watching a film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like because I know like um, uh, Commode and Mayo. You know their their fam- their film review that that they do on BBC, and it's the most sort of I guess famous film mm. review podcast there is out there. And they have this philosophy about never taking snacks and and drink into the cinema because it's and you know it's anti the fit you know. Really? And I just I can't get yeah they're mad into like the idea of like no snacks in the cinema like come on you're there to watch a fucking film eat before you get there and I nah, hate, I'm like, in the no, cinema I need snacks and drink yeah I want every, I, I want a lot I, want, I like ice cream up here popcorn in front of me here big drink yeah. like I want I want a lot because I'm never yeah. having that at home that stuff so yeah like, yeah 
It's part of going out. Yeah, salted um, or sweet popcorn though, which one? Oh, what do you reckon? What do you think I am? Mm, I'm only ever salted, I am. Um, I reckon you're salted. Of course, mate. Salted yeah. all the way. Cannot Good. stand the sweet stuff. Cannot stand it. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Oh, it's for me, horrible. Because I don't like sugar in tea or coffee. And for yeah. me, it's the same. Like, tea is savoury. Coffee is bitter. Coffee is mm. bitter. I don't want sugar anywhere near it. So when I have popcorn with sugar, it, it doesn't... I'm yeah. like, no, it does not the, work. The, the best one, that's salted popcorn, like, with chocolate. So if you have a Malteser and salted popcorn together, oh, it's Ooh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, mate. Fuck, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm desperate to have now. Okay, cool. So grab your popcorn, everyone. We will do Chef this time next week. Uh, thanks for joining us. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, etc. At the nightcap underscore pod. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on the films that we're watching and send us your suggestions. And we'll pick up this time next week. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Good to see you.